Welcome to Paranormal Coffee Hour. We're your hosts, Jen. And Courtney. And we're pouring you a strong cup of the weird, the wonderful, and the woohoo. On today's Paranormal Coffee Hour, we have a guest coming back with us, Mr. Kent Summer. Say hello. Hello. And we are going to be talking about the lovely city of New London, Wisconsin today, and all the weird shit going on in that city. Would you say there's weird shit there, Kent? Oh, yeah. To understand the hauntings that are taking place in New London, we first have to understand the history of the area, because it is our belief that that history is playing into why this location in Wisconsin is so incredibly haunted. When we look within the bounds of Wapaka County, what we find from prehistoric life is the striking remains of mounds and their content. They're found on the shores of the Chain of Lakes, which is southwest of Wapaka, and in the Valley of the Wolf River in the vicinity of New London and Northport. They are also along the region of the Embarrass River in the northeastern part of the county, as well as on the shores of White and Partridge Lakes. These early First Nations would build mounds as both burial mounds and ceremonial mounds that would contain artifacts within them. And we have a shit ton of these mounds around this area, don't we? Yes. And how many of them have been destroyed? Oh, we'll get into that a little later. An important part of the history of this area is the fur trade. We have fur traders coming in the 1600s. A lot of them were coming from the French-Canadian area, and they would come down through the Great Lakes, come into the Fox River, and then the Fox River would take them into other parts of the regions in Wisconsin. Makes sense. Mm -hmm. So we have Native Americans and early fur traders that were basically working together, doing business together, buying and selling from one another. So they got along then. Yeah, actually, they did really well. And so much so that you had intermarrying between them. Oh, they was friends. Mm -hmm. Good friends. Stop. (laughs) But we see so much of that evidence in Green Bay, where I'm from. And yet when I come here to New London, it's surprising how little people know about that, especially since there are what we would call fur vaults. So these giant rooms underground under buildings that are existing on Water Street in New London, and they would hold the furs while the river was frozen. Which I find absolutely fascinating that you coming from Green Bay need to tell us living in New London about this. I know. Unfortunately, I don't think people realize the history behind their city. We used to, the museum used to have the whole Indian thing set up, and then all of a sudden they just stopped. Mm-hmm. Conspiracy. <laughs> ah, <laughs> another thought. <laughs> just kidding. Or corporate downsizing. Yeah, that too. So needless to say, the fur trading was a really big thing. And the Wolf River, which runs through New London, was an incredibly important river for the Native Americans and for the fur traders. As we move forward in time, we have settlements of white European settlers, immigrants coming in. A lot of them are Irish. (laughs) Go figure. We're New Dublin over St. Patrick's Day. So you have this influx of Irish settlements or settlers coming in. And what happens is, is that the Menominee Nation, which was the original native tribe that were landowners of the New London area, they would cede their land, which would be to give it over to the United States government in 1836. Prior to ceding the land, the Menominees numbered about 4,000. Powerful nation, powerful. But they would cede all of the land 
the final part of it in 1836. Part of their reason for it was they wanted to give up land for other tribes that were getting displaced out in the New York area. For example, the Oneidas and the Stockbridge. So they were providing space for those other tribes to come in. They were also providing space for European immigrants. So they were being nice about it. They were. And the U.S. government fucks them in the ass. No lube. Pretty much. Fantastic. Mm -hmm. Basically what happened is all but a small fraction of Wapaka County east of the Wolf River was still included in their agreement with the U.S. government as Menominee hunting grounds. Now, these weren't just Menominee hunting grounds. The Menominee also allowed other tribes, such as the Winnebago and the Stockbridge, to come and hunt with them. It's like their Disney World. Yeah. I mean, when you get to see New London, the amount of waterways and the amount of land and natural resources is incredible. It's so funny that you have this information and yet all the books that I've been able to find, it always paints them as the bloody savages. And well, they were very kind. And here, let's share the land. Exactly. I think that's part of what I want to do with this podcast episode is to make sure that we pay homage to these people because they actually did really good things. They were very quiet as a tribe. They were peaceable. They were friendly to the settlers. There was occasional quarrels between them. But when isn't there with your neighbor? Right, but not much. And a lot of the information that I'm talking about is actually coming out of this really wonderful book called Little Wolf River Country by Eleanor Cooney. And I love the fact that that she includes this information because so often it doesn't get put into books. And there's only 79 pages and it's got the most information than any other book published so far. She also talks about the fact that they would camp, they as in the Native Americans would camp on the bank of the Little Wolf River between Ostrander and Phillips where they would hunt and fish. So there was still this community of Native Americans and settlers. They were in contact with one another. Needless to say, This is not the same situation we see today in New London. We do not have Menominee living in the area. The closest they are to us is Kashina, which is about, what would you say, 45 minutes away? Yeah. Mm -hmm. Not even in Wapaka County anymore. No. They've been moved to Shawano County. What's important to know about the Menominee Nation is that they are actually relatives to the mound builders. They would not continue the building of the mounds but they would respect the mounds that were there. And not worship. No. But there's also more than the respect. It's like, those are our ancestors. Exactly. It's like us walking into a cemetery. Right. In addition to the history of New London, it's also important to understand the geography of the area. Court, why don't you tell us about it? The land of Wolpac County is made up of limestone, and we've got granite, and there's some feldspar, and there's some sandstone in there. So we have those materials in the earth. And then it's important to note that much of the state of Wisconsin had a glacier come right through it, correct? Yes. And it was underwater, which I find absolutely fascinating. Mm -hmm. So when the glacier comes through, there's an area of Wisconsin on the very west coast over by the Mississippi known as the Driftless region. That actually refers to the fact that the glacier did not touch it. But the area that we're in and the area we're talking about with New London, which is, by the way, only about 15 minutes from where we're recording... Right. That area was touched by a glacier. Yes. So what are some of the like landscape things that we see? So we got Poppy's Rock in New London. Which is a granite outcropping, basically. Yeah. And uh, it was here it's that, forever. 
it's actually firm enough that I know people whose houses, their foundation is on the rock. We also have Mosquito Hill, don't we? We do have Mosquito Hill, which I guess the glacier just decided to save that. It was well, like, we'll leave you. I mean, it wasn't there before. It actually created it. <laughs> yeah, it, the way they make it sound is it was there. It is probable that all the country around here was as high or a little higher than Mosquito Hill. And when the glaciers came over here, they cut their way and so made hills and valleys. But it also helped form the rivers that we have here, too. Yes, the Wolf River is so very important to New London from the beginning. And the Wolf River is over 300 miles long, but in a straight line from the head to the mouth is 112 miles. That's You know why that is, right? Because the wolf the wolf is snakes. snakes everywhere. But the Wolf River definitely was hugely important. What were some of the things that were done on the Wolf River? Lumber. Mm-hmm. Lumber was probably one of the biggest things. Um, fishing. They had the fur trapping. They also um, used it to travel from Shano County to Oshkosh. They actually had passenger boats. Steamboats. Correct. So with the lumber industry, they would float logs down the Wolf River. Yes. They would take them down the Embarrass, the Wolf, and get them down to the Fox. Mm-hmm. And take them into Oshkosh. Yeah. And that was a very dangerous profession to be in. Very. Because <laughs> you had actually had men on the river moving the logs along. Yes. And they could actually stand on them and move them. And the logs jammed a lot, especially if they did not dig up the channels at the time. They would come every spring or summer and dig up the channels. I did not know that. Yeah. Huh. So this way they knew where the channels were. and Yeah. It was... Um, not just logs, but like you said, the steamboats that would be on the Wolf River were actually used for transportation prior to roads. I found 1853 as the first established steamboats making consistent runs from New London to Oshkosh. Now, one of the things you had brought up, Courtney, when you were talking about the logs being moved down mm. was the Embarrass River. That is also a river in New London, isn't it? Correct. So then what's our other river that comes into New London? The third one would be the Little Wolf, which flows into the Wolf River just a little bit south of New London. So there has been something I had heard about where three rivers come together. Like it's supposed to be like this mystical thing. Oh, the perfect trinity. Yeah. Have you ever heard about that before? No. The belief is that when three rivers are coming together, energy from each of those rivers that they bring has the potential to then, as they merge, create like a portal. That could explain a lot. Yeah, it could. So I think as we ponder that point for a moment, we need to start getting into telling our listeners about what exactly is going on in New London. So the most famous paranormal location in New London, compliments of the dead files, is the Pearl Street Mansion. Ah, yes, the Pearl Street Mansion. What was that building originally, Kent? I believe it was built originally to be a hospital. Yes. But the hospital never actually happened. Mm-hmm. It went through a couple owners and then became a retirement home. How many floors is that place? Four. Does that include the basement? The basement's kind of only half in the ground, so that oh. those are legal rooms too. Oh, I didn't know that. Okay. So... I have heard, as being an outsider from this area, I've heard of some of the things going on there, like figures being seen, stuff getting moved. What have you guys heard about the Pearl Street Mansion? Um, I had a couple of friends that lived in it. They said the same thing. They lived in it? 
Yeah, there was apartments. Oh, okay. At one, they went from the nursing home to... I'm like, <laughs> yeah, it, did you have old friends? <laughs> when the nursing home closed up, it the, became an apartment building. Yep. Okay. And then after the apartment building, they made a haunted house for, what, a year? Two years? Two. And then the now owners bought it. Okay. And I've heard a lot of things. Like, there are shadows. Things are moving. You get a creepy feeling that people are always watching you. And full body apparitions. Oh, full color, full body, huh? Yep. Wow. Head to toe. That's impressive. What is the reasoning that people think might be behind this haunting? Why are there ghosts there? Well, it depends on what you watch, I guess. Or no. Okay. So what do you know, Courtney? I am kind of alluding to the Dead Files was actually in town. Right. So Amy thought there was something really evil. Whether that's true or not, each their own. What do other people believe is causing this? I believe other people think it's the mountains okay. were destroyed and kind of pissed about it. I mean, wouldn't you be? Well, yeah. Most of the land around New London is sacred. Right. So as more of it gets developed, um, more activity kicks up. Well, let's continue in that area of the city and head over to your old house, Kent, which is only about not even a block away. Half a block. Right. From the Pearl Street Mansion. Tell me about what was going on there when you lived there for... 17 years, I believe. Holy cow. What did you experience in that home? And when was it built, by the way? That house was built in 1875-ish. It's one of the oldest still standing houses in New London. From the first time we moved into it, there was apparitions being seen. What kind of apparitions were you seeing? The one that was most common to be seen, we called him the farmer. And we would always see him in the upstairs bedroom at about daybreak. He would peek in through the bedroom door wearing bib overalls just to make sure you're in there. You know, maybe you're supposed to be getting up for the day and it would last a couple seconds and then he'd be gone. Did you ever do research if I know who he was? No, there was an abstract done on this title of that property. And that abstract was like a thousand pages. Well, get to reading. (laughs) That's why I didn't. (laughs) Wow. Any other paranormal activity? Throughout the rest of the house, you would find shadow figures, occasional voices. Uh, The basement was also really eerie. There was always somebody on your shoulder when you were in the basement. Got a monkey on your back. Yeah. That house did not get as agitated as this one, though, when I would do work on the place. What would happen when you did work on the other house? Anything? Really nothing. Interesting. Because I'd had taken that house, a few of the rooms down to studs and refinished them. Got the sawdust out of the walls and replaced it with real insulation. That's always fun to vacuum up. You're like... (laughs) (laughs) How's that going, Karen? (laughs) (laughs) Just don't get the newspapers. The newspapers, save those. Oh, I did. I pulled full sheets of newspaper off the walls that were perfectly legible. Where'd they go? I took most of them down to the New London Museum. Okay. Excellent. Some of them were written in German. Oh, my God. Some of them were printed in New York City. Oh. And some of them were local from New London. Hot dog. Damn, that's incredible. Now, I remember being at your old house before we got this one. And we were watching the movie The Conjuring. You remember this? Oh, yeah. And we're sitting on the couch watching the movie. And and I remember you telling me watching scary movies in this house is probably not the best idea. It was also Halloween. 
Oh, yeah. It was, oh, wasn't you it? didn't tell me that part. Oh, <laughs> I shit. I forgot it was Halloween. Needless to say, <laughs> we're sitting there, and next to the couch that we were sitting on was the glider mm-hmm. rocking chair. And I remember you tapping me and like pointing over towards it. And I look, and the glider is moving back and forth like someone's sitting in it. It was also very cold. Right. Right there. Well, and you got up off the couch. You went over and you put your hand right in that area of the glider, and it was freezing cold right there. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that would have been a nope for me. And that thing kept going until the movie was over. Yep. <laughs> so, was it enjoying the movie? Was it? I don't know. The feeling that I got was agitation. Like really? Like that's not really how we are. <laughs> We're not just a sheet with eyes, okay? <laughs> We're also not some crazy lady in your basement. Right. Yeah, that was a very paranormally active home. I will say that. Even when I was there, there were things that would happen that would just always surprise me. Always seeing stuff. Always seeing low shadows out of the corner of my eyes, especially in the kitchen, darting back and forth. Yep. <laughs> I think one of my other favorite stories about that place was when we put the battery tender down in the basement. Yes. And then we, you and I came up and we're sitting in the kitchen and we put the... The app on the phone. Yep. Yeah. Uh, ghost, just, ghost Radar, it's ghost called. Ghost Radar. That's right. It's just a silly app, you think, right? We figured right. we'd just throw it on and see what the hell happens. Until but the thing now. is, the, the words that would pop up on this app were always very accurate. And as we're sitting at the kitchen table, the words coming up were check and down and fire and... Yeah. And over the course of about 10 minutes, that's when I decided maybe I should go down and check that battery tender that I had put on the motorcycle battery. We went downstairs to find it smoking. And had you not checked it, it probably would have started a fire. Oh, for sure. So what made you put the ghost app on? I don't we we had the app on while we were in the basement and oh, yeah, you were asking right. you were asking me stuff like, "Hey, what's in these boxes?" And the app says, "blank." And we opened the boxes, they were empty. That's right. I forgot um, about that. <laughs> what fun. That there were there were a couple things that the ghost radar answered before I could. Mm-hmm. And what I've learned about ghost radar, even though it's it's an app on a phone, it's just like any other ovelus that we use in paranormal investigating. So the question is, who bought the house from you? Do they have any issues? I hope not, because as she was signing the papers, she says, boy, I hope this house isn't haunted. Aw, <laughs> shit. She's been there for almost six years now. Yeah. Yeah. So some people just doesn't affect. Well, and that's the other thing is we know that your children, your ex-wife and you are all sensitive to energy. So the fact that you could tell that it was haunted is evident, but maybe this other person who purchased it doesn't know. The other thing I laugh at is if you know New London, they don't talk about it, but you pretty much can like just twirl in a circle and point at a house and it's most likely haunted. Literally every other house has Mm -hmm. something in it. And we'll get into why that could be. But as we move from your house, we're going to head over towards Hatton Park. Hatton Park. Mm -hmm. What do you know about the big park in the city? I know that they built the wall in the Depression to kind of give guys a job. So the whole park has a roughly three foot tall fieldstone wall around it. I didn't know that was built during the Depression to give them work. Yes. Oh. And I know that there's a lot of um, backflow from the river and back. Mm -hmm. Some days you get wet feet walking back there. Ew. 
Well, and they have Frisbee golf, which I've done in Hatton Park before. And yes. you do get into some of those areas that get a little squooshier. <laughs> Amen to that. <laughs> Hatton Park is also bordered on the back by what is that considered a flowage? Is it considered a swamp? What is it considered? I believe it's part of Mukwa's Wildlife Preserve or something. So it's essentially swamp. So what are some of the paranormal sightings that people are having in Hatton Park? I have heard and myself seen shadows in the woods towards the swampy side of the park. Even in broad daylight, you'll see shadow figures usually going between trees. So you have the swampy area. Is it boggy? I believe once you get outside the park into the swamp area, yeah, it's probably a bog. Bogs have bodies. Always. I wouldn't be surprised if this one does too. Mm-hmm. Glad I bring my dog when I walk there. <laughs> He'll protect me. <laughs> Your dog would throw you to the ghost. <laughs> no, not this dog. <laughs> Bullshit, he would. So as we move from Hatton Park and we head over towards the high school, we have an area that was recently developed. And I say recently, it was what, the 90s? Uh, 20 years ago. Pretty much when they built the new school out there, then popped up. Cedarhurst is who we're talking about, by the way, the neighborhood. Which they also had to move a lot of homes to build that new school. They did. I didn't know that. Yes. There were homes moved to build the high school? That is what I recall. So one of the things that we know about the geography of that area of New London is that there's mounds. Okay, there were mounds. Yeah, there were. And I say were because now Cedarhurst is there, which is a neighborhood of very nice homes that are incredibly haunted. Does not surprise me. Mm-hmm. Now, our paranormal team, Chain of Lakes Paranormal, has not gotten called out to Cedarhurst, but we have been given lots of stories about people experiencing paranormal activity out there. And I remember one of the most prominent ones was somebody who lived on kind of the edge of Cedarhurst where there's field behind them. Okay. And they were experiencing in their home what we would consider basically PK activity. So kind of where my church is. Yes. Fantastic. (laughs) So these people had informed our team that they were experiencing chairs moving around, shadow figures running through their home, just weird things, weird noises, unexplained noises, stuff like that. Gives me the chills. Mm -hmm. And if it's them, there's got to be more. And the reason I say that is because mounds were literally disturbed to make room for this. No one put a pool in, right? You think of the movie Poltergeist? Yeah. I'm sure somebody's got a pool, but it's probably above ground. I hope. God, yeah. Don't put the in-ground pool in. The whole neighborhood's going to get sucked into the earth. No kidding. (laughs) So needless to say, that is another very haunted area of New London. Now, if we head back to downtown New London, we have the old city hall. Ah, yes. Next door to it is Bank. Yep. Which I got to work at for a while. And I remember having a conversation with my boss at the bank about how, as a medium, I was picking up that this stretch of buildings must have paranormal activity. And bless her heart for being honest with me. She's like, yeah, we've had some paranormal activity in the bank. And as she's telling me this, a phone that is corded, okay, on the receiver, hanging up, You got to see her hand movements right now. I wish people could see these hand movements. Shut the fuck up, everybody. (laughs) Anyway, I talk with my hands. We walk past this thing several times. It doesn't move. Suddenly, as we're talking about the paranormal activity in the bank and in the buildings connected to it, the phone headset flies off the receiver, comes at me, 
nearly hits me, but thank God it's corded because the cord pulled the back. (laughs) And my boss looked at me and went, holy crap. Well, I guess they didn't like you discussing that. No. No, they didn't. First rule of haunted banks is we don't talk about haunted banks. (laughs) (laughs) Didn't get the memo. I love it. But I have talked to other people who are from the New London area who also have mediumship abilities, and they've said that there seems to be an older gentleman that seems to go through City Hall all the way to the bank. I find it fascinating that I have never heard anybody discussing any of this about our downtown buildings until I became friends with you. I know. Part of what happens in smaller towns in Wisconsin is that hauntings are kept undercover. They're kept quiet. People in the areas know about them. Only a few people may know about them, but they're often kept very quiet. I mean, does New London know that they have a paranormal team from New London? And not everybody know. Well, they do now. (laughs) Give them a call. The hauntings in New London are like functional alcoholics. Everybody knows it. But nobody's going to say anything about it. Oh, right. Yeah. When I was discussing having issues with this, Ryan goes, it's New London. It's dysfunctional. (laughs) You're from here. That's not acceptable. The dysfunction of New London. We love New London. Speaking of your husband who grew up, I believe, near this location, the Pickle Factory. Yes. There was a pickle factory in what was called the Fifth Ward. I'm told it's no longer called the Fifth Ward. People actually get kind of upset by it. There was a pickle factory on the railroad, and they actually had POWs, German POWs that worked there during World War II. Damn. I didn't know they brought POWs back to Wisconsin. There was an encampment. I did not know that. I believe the actual encampment was closer to Mosquito Hill. Holy crap. What, what were these POWs brought back in? Like trains? What? Do we know? I mean, the pickle factory was right on the train line. It was called um, Hamilton and Sons Canning or something like that. So, Courtney, I found some information on this canning company that you were talking about, the Hamilton and Sons. Yep. So it says that the 35,000 cases of sauerkraut were packed the first year it was open. So oh it was my a, God, I'm going to puke. Yeah, it was a sauerkraut packing plant at first. By 1930, 800,000 cases were being packed, and the plant was described as the largest canner of sauerkraut in the United States. 800,000? 800,000 cases. I didn't realize that many people were eating sauerkraut. Well, and didn't... Back in that day, didn't they make their own damn sauerkraut? (laughs) A lot of people did. Plant operations in 1930 consisted of 11 buildings on seven acres of land. Oh my, I did not realize it was that big. You wouldn't have thought it. That's most of the ward. I know, that's what I'm thinking. Which is interesting, because then, like you said, there were World War II prisoners of war. It says here in this article that during World War II, the company served as a prisoner of war camp with an estimated 150 German prisoners. Can you imagine how pissed you are? You're a prisoner of war and you get sent to Wisconsin to do sauerkraut or pickles? I'm sure there's worse places they could be. Valid, but I mean, come on. It was also the official purveyor of pickles and pickle products for the White House from 1935 to 1975. I did not know that either. Well, who would have took that off the register? I guess they had to take it off. The company's closed. (laughs) Wow. Okay. (laughs) What happened was in the 1960s, the main part of the canning operations that dealt with sauerkraut was torn down. And then in 1974, The firm closed following a seven-week strike 
that combined with a large increase in sugar prices in that year. Oh, So it's almost like what we're seeing in a lot of businesses right now. Yes. Is lack of either product or price increases. Yes. Mm -hmm. The strike was the first ever among canning facilities in Wisconsin, as well as reportedly the first ever in New London. Those buildings which exist today are largely vacant, except with the exception of a machine shop and office. It's funny, I work right next door to this area almost every day. My question to you, Courtney, since you do work over in that area where the pickle factory was and where we have 150 Germans who are (laughs) prisoners of war working there. Is there paranormal activity over there? Where I'm at? Yeah. I'm not 100%. I'm always second guessing myself. So what have you seen? If I ask anybody else, they would be like, no, you are nuts. So what have you seen? I keep thinking I see people out of the corner of my eye and I look and there's nobody there. We do know there was a murder not far from you. Well, it was... um, Oh, I'm sorry. It was a suicide. It was deemed a suicide. A gentleman in the early 90s was found in his back tree, and his hands were tied behind his back. The cops ruled it a suicide. They said they measured it, and because it was a slip knot, it was doable. But I've heard other people, they're like, his shoulder was popped out, he owed money to people. It just didn't seem right. So there's that. Now, did you find out about this before or after you thought you saw somebody hanging out in a vehicle one day? Fantastically after. (laughs) Yeah. I was like, what? (laughs) What? Okay, great. Uh Uh-huh. So those are some of the stories going on in New London. I know, Courtney, you found a couple other ones that are happening in the city. And once we get through the city, we're going to head to the outskirts in a second here and talk about some of the other stuff. The one story that I know is that over on Oriel Street, which is right next door to Cedarhurst, a gentleman was having a hard time with family. Wife wanted to divorce him. And one night he killed both his boys and tried to kill himself, but he lived. He's actually still in prison, isn't he? Yes. Like, how unfortunate. Yeah. Um, Now, how does that play into that area? It makes me wonder. I mean, yes, he was depressed. Yes, life was sucking at the time. Was there something else behind it? Are we thinking like Amityville Horror kind of thing where he claimed that he was influenced? He didn't, but it makes me wonder. Yeah. Kent, what do you know about that area? I know you had friends growing up on Oriel Street. The friends of mine that lived over there would see rocking chairs going by themselves, cold spots in their house. These houses aren't old. They were built in the mid-60s. The whole neighborhood went up and really not enough history, I think, for it to be anything historical, you know, like previous owners or what have you. Right. But still something weird going on, like possibly built on sacred ground. One of the things where it's a land is haunted, not the house. Yes. Which would make sense because, by the way, that area of New London also had mounds that were moved. Did you know that? They were moved or mowed over? Mowed over. I mean, that's like two huge things. So there's probably people still under their houses. Potentially. Kind of of a Gacy thing, but they didn't put them there. (laughs) Fantastic. (laughs) No pool for you. God. Makes you wonder if if New London wasn't like the inspiration for the movie Poltergeist. (laughs) Fan-fucking-tastic. 
So what else do you have, Courtney? I know you found some stories that were out there from people who live in New London. Yeah, there was a girl that um, had posted on a Facebook site that she was living with her boyfriend's family in the basement of, she kept calling it a morgue, and Kent and I discussed it, and we're wondering if it was an old funeral home, which is possible. There was quite a few of them. And she was seeing things, an old man and a lady, and she kept saying that's where they drained the bodies. So that's why I also feel it was a funeral home. And she said she saw a picture hanging one day, and those happened to be the same people she was seeing in the basement. Lovely. Keep in mind that this funeral home was located right next door to Pearl Street Mansion, which used to be a retirement home. Right. I mean, that's pretty easy. Oh, <laughs> I so mean, just ship them next door. There's right. no transportation costs. <laughs> no. Someone's carrying them across the be- uh, the parking lot. <laughs> Leave them on the gurney. We'll wheel them there. What street would this have been on? Hancock. It was Hancock, Hancock huh? Yeah. Oh, okay. If it's the same place that we think it is. Okay. So like literally that house next door. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm, that's interesting. I know when we did a paranormal investigation south of New London, closer to Rawhide Boys Ranch, um, we got to investigate an old trapper's cabin. That'd be so cool to see. Mm -hmm. So they had an original trapper's cabin. What was it from like the 1850s? Yeah, about that. And then they added on, obviously, because it was a small cabin. And it had been in this family for quite some time. And their property was surrounded by mounds. The mounds are still there. Yeah, intact mounds. Makes you want to do like LIDAR and all that other stuff. I know. But what, as a medium, what I came to start understanding is that the mounds are obviously sacred and the tribe has what they call guardian spirits that roam the land trying to protect the mounds, like the natural resources. And before you get too far, these guardians are not evil. They're there to guard. No, they're just... They're absolutely not evil. Not that I encountered, not that the other medium I was with encountered. It was, they're more like light um, when you see them. And they will shapeshift, is what they told us. So they will shift into animal form, they'll shift into human form, and then they'll shift into something a little weirder. And it all depends on what they're attempting to do. So they told us animal form was just to be observant, because then they blend in. Human form is to teach, you know, give advice, stuff like that when needed. Weird ass form, which we're going to be heading over to Marsh Road next. And there's been some weird uh, observances over there. That area is part of what the guardians guard because of the natural resources out there. And it's usually they shift into weird form when they need to scare people off. And back from when I was in school, man, they scared people off quite a bit the way it sounded. Well, they needed to because it was usually somebody who was doing something they weren't supposed to be doing. Right. Mm Mm-hmm. Whether it's polluting the land, whether it's... Which they sure as hell did. Yeah. So it wasn't ever meant to be... It's nothing evil. It's just something, at least under my understanding, it's something that's there to help protect the land and the natural resources of the area. They just want to see you respect the land. They just want you not to dump a couch in the ditch out there. (laughs) And if it takes a half goat, half man to scare you away, that's what's going to happen. Valid. Here's the thing I've also learned with having very heavily Native American areas and sacred land and and research that I've done for my team is when the land is altered, as it has been in New London area, that's when these guardians came out. That makes sense. So prior to the land being altered, and when I say altered, I'm talking about dams put in. We're talking about excessive removal of trees or things like that. Mounds, obviously disturbed. Farming. 
farming, road mm-hmm. building. Right. My question is: Is the house that you did over by Rawhide? Did they know those were mounds? Yes, they told us. Each person that owned that property was like, "These are mounds. Don't touch them." Kind of thing. They knew they were effigy mounds. They just knew. I don't know. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's good because at they, least they, they, I believe, had some archaeologists in there at one point. Okay. Who did some exploring of those mounds? Okay. Just to determine for sure what they were. Right. I mean, you never want to really sell that land then. You want to kind of keep it in the family so no one does, oh, whatever, just, you know. Well, and the people who own it are very respectful of that that's, area. That's what yeah. I'm saying. You want to keep them there. Mm-hmm. <laughs> right. But they also live right by a very, very watery area because across the street from them is a like a bayou. And part of the reason we were there is because they're getting tremendous amounts of paranormal activity. So between the water and the mounds... They picked a fantastic place. So very active location. We were able to help them, thankfully. But it was something that it was just simply understanding what you have, understanding what to do with what you have and how to handle it. And Because they never wanted us to remove the spirits. They simply wanted to balance out what was going on. Well, I don't think we could have removed the spirits say, anyhow. No, if they're no watchers, they're, they're like, yeah, good luck. Well, the, watcher, the guardians were the ones outside. They they didn't mind those. Those the spirits actually in the house oh. that were causing the problem. Don't be a dick. Let's live happy. Well, yeah. <laughs> that that land has a lot of history on it. So we talked about the guardians out in that area, the south of New London. And then if we go over to Marsh Road, which was one of the most famous locations probably. Oh yeah. There's been a lot of haunted writers that write about it. Um I don't know if it's ever been on any shows. Uh, can you even make a show about Marsh Road? I don't An, know. A whole not. episode kind of thing? Not without trespassing. Valid. Yeah. It's very strict, the rules on that road. Like, you can drive it, but you don't stop. You don't... I don't be surprised if somebody's coming up behind you and it happens to be a county cop because they do enforce it. In fact, sometimes they'll even take the signs down because they don't want people up and down that road. Yeah, I, there actually is no sign for Marsh Road. I just, you know, if you know where it is, you know where it is kind of thing. If you know, you know. Well, and Google Maps helps too. <laughs> but I'm just saying, it's not someplace. There's actually people that live at the end of it, and they will call the cops if the cops are not out there. Well, and the other important thing to know about Marsh Road is that it is only part of the way pavement. The rest is gravel. Yes. And that's one of the rumors that you drive down one way and you come back the other way. The miles never add up. One is shorter than the other or something. I never heard that part. <laughs> can't, he they can't at, hear you can't shaking just, your head. Yes. shaking his head across the table from me. And I'm like, <laughs> how have I not heard of this? And I'm married to you and you know it. I forgot about that part. Oh, That's like the biggest part. Ever, that- well, it's not like I have a car with a working odometer. <laughs> you do now. I do now, but... Just let me hit my head against the microphone. Ken's times. outside the car pacing it. All right, this one is this. <laughs> <laughs> so what other stories are there? I know about the half goat, half man stories out on Marsh Road, but what else? I know UFOs, isn't it? Um, there's see. lights in the field where there is no homes way back when. I think I was out of high school already. My mom had a picture of a family member that was taken on a deer cam. The gentleman had already died, but you could see it clear as day. And he had the same hat on, like the Elmer Fudd looking hat. And I can't find that picture. I've even asked my mom. She's like, I don't know what happened to it. It wasn't through an email and everything. 
she doesn't remember where she got it or anything. He was seen out on Marsh Road area? They own land over there. Oh, okay. And it was hunting land or something. They had their deer cams up, and they caught a perfect picture of him. Fascinating. On the trail camera. On the trail camera. That's creepy. Well, and here's the interesting thing. So part of our paranormal team, they grew up across the street from Marsh Road. Yeah, you were just telling me that. I'm like, oh, it all makes sense. Yeah, they grew up across the street from Marsh Road, and their plot of land was incredibly haunted. They experienced lots of activity. I remember, um, I think she had noises. She also had voices. Voices. She had apparitions, if I remember correctly. Mm-hmm. All different um, sorts of stuff. Was the apparition a soldier? Yes. Oh, yes. That's Isn't interesting. That, I know. That was it a German that. POW? Who knows? So as we head from Marsh Road, we're going to head over to Ostrander Road. And for those of you who are not from the area, this is headed west, correct? Yeah, we're west of New London. Just tell me to turn at McDonald's, for God's sakes, not this west shit. uh, West of New London. If you turn at McDonald's, you'll be in a trailer park. (laughs) That's right. Different sort of spirits there. Valid point, Kent's right. Wow. It was an analogy, not McDonald's itself. Anywho, so we're headed west of New London, west of Marsh Road, and we're headed over to Ostrander. Now, Ostrander used to be a city, like a little town. It's now a ghost town. It is now a ghost town. And back in the day, it unfortunately got inflicted with an outbreak of, I believe, cholera is what I heard. Yeah, one of them. They lost a lot of children to cholera that year. Yes. And unfortunately, there's a little cemetery that is um, off of Ostrander Road, kind of back in the woods a little bit. Yeah, you have to go through some fields and stuff. Mm -hmm. So cemeteries are supposed to be open to anybody. They're not usually private unless marked private. Right. But I also do not know of anybody just going through these fields to find this one. You either know it's there or you don't. Right. Now, Ostrander is an interesting area. I've heard of that cemetery, and you have to go... Past a house? No, there's a driveway for a Girl Scout camp. Oh! I believe it's Girl Scout camp. Yes, there's a Girl Scout Um, camp there. And it's down that driveway. So there is a cemetery, but you got to go through private land to get to it. Okay, it's interesting. A lot of children are buried in that cemetery. Yeah. They lost a lot of children to this outbreak of cholera. I mean, Ostrader actually had its own school. It had its own post office. It had its own stores. It had everything. It had a railroad depot. Yeah. Now, what it also had um, (laughs) is a tremendous amount of mounds. Fantastic. So I'm bringing Eleanor's book back out here. I referenced it earlier, The Little Wolf Country book by Eleanor Cooney. And she actually talks about this area and the mounds. So off of Ostrander Road, Miss Eleanor Cooney talks about a Mr. John Loss. Now, we know that area has Loss Road. Yep. And I believe that is part of where this is taking place, right off of Ostrander. It says, well, excavating out on the west brow of a knoll on his property, one eighth mile southwest of his house um, in the town of Mukwa, he uncovered a cachet of busy sin shells, 10 or 12 in number, set side by side and on end. They nearly filled a bushel And most of them had only the colometer left. Did we ever find out what those shells were? Sin shells? They're like seashells. I love seashells. That were used for trade. Mm -hmm. Precursor to the sand dollar. Wow, that was pretty bad. (laughs) We then have what is known as Phillips Mills Rapids. 
of the Little Wolf River. So by the way, we're by the Little Wolf right now. Yes. There were two mounds that are oval. They stand on the edge of the high bank directly above the old dam site on the North Shore. One is 58 feet long. It runs north to south and 20 feet wide and five feet high. I'm 5'5". Five five, as I won't be able to breathe. As a big mound. Problem is, is that these mounds were getting dug into. A Mr. Thompson says that he remembers the occasion. A skeleton was disinterred. He saw it and the copper and other artifacts which were taken from it. Who does that? Do you want your family? Oh, anyways, continue. Grave robbers. That's who does it. (laughs) He saw it and an abundance of shell wampum was also taken. A man from Wyawiga had a string of it six feet long. They excavated the center of this mound and found a secondary internment, so more bodies. They found smaller bones of hands and feet and still plenty of shell wampum and small white trader's beads mixed in the earth. Now, there's another popular location, especially in the summer, that is located right by Ostrander Road. Yep. What is it, Courtney? Fleeces tubing. Fleeces Wolf River Campgrounds. On the hilltop field on the south bank of the big bend of the Little Wolf, just above the Phillips Mill Rapids, on the George Fleece property, there are the remains still visible of at least three panther mounds and one oval mound. And ladies and gentlemen, those mounds are still there. Thankfully, they are being left alone. They are being left alone. But if you go to Wolf River Campground, the mounds are still alongside the river there. Fantastic. Uh Uh-huh. Problem was, is in this area, there was a lot of mounds at one time, and the farmers did not know this. And so they're plowing through these mounds, plowing their farm fields. Now, it's one thing to plow open a mound and be like, oh, shit. Yeah, that's what I'm like. You're trying to provide for your family. It doesn't make it right, but whatever. But when these guys are digging. They didn't know what they were getting into. Right. These guys are digging shit up and taking it. And I mean, there had to have been somebody to call even at that time being like, hey, we found a body. Pretty sure it's Native American. Please come. No, we're just going to be like, oh, check this out. What, What the fuck? So when I tell people being an outsider that. New London is haunted. They usually laugh at me. How is New London haunted? Well, let me tell you, folks. If you were to talk to a Native American shaman about these mounds and the area, they've done some things to this area that clearly have disturbed the spirits of these early Native Americans. Number one, they've altered the land. For sure. So we're talking about an area that has dams put in for commerce. This used to be absolutely wooded. Mm -hmm. So we have a little bit of deforestation. We'll just call it that. Mm -hmm. A little bit. A lot of it. (laughs) A lot of it. We have probably some pollution going on in the wolf at one point. Probably the wastewater treatment flows into... Oh, Jesus Christ. I didn't know that. I mean, they have to pass, but you didn't know that? No. Well, there's that. So we have pollution going on, clearly. (laughs) And I would imagine there was pollution going on earlier on. We also have the destruction of the mound. So several areas around New London have either completely disregarded and destroyed mounds, or they've pillaged them. So when we're sitting here going, well, why would New London be haunted? Jesus, I wonder why. And the thing is, is, you know, most places can be haunted. They're just old. Shit happens. Right. What? Whatever. But the thing is, is 
These are different hauntings. They are. I mean, what have you guys, you've said some of what you've seen, but like how different is it to you guys looking into New London? So coming from a city of Green Bay, which is the oldest city in the state of Wisconsin, Green Bay has a very historic haunting to it, meaning it's the history of the area and just the fact that, you know, you walk on top of people's graves when you're in downtown Green Bay, which a lot of people don't know. When I came out here, and we started investigating as a team, the hauntings are different. They're weirder. I'm used to encountering human spirits. Right. When I came out here, I'm dealing with elementals. I'm dealing with human spirits. And then I'm dealing with shapeshifters. And those are the Indian shapeshifters. They're not the... The guardians that I right. refer to. So Green Bay doesn't have that many elementals either. <laughs> not that I'm aware of. But we also didn't have mounds. I suppose. Yeah. Oh, sorry. No. No mounds, no guardians. Correct. So we didn't have the mounds. Now we had other things going on, but there was never the like elemental spirits typically come out when there's a level of negativity that brings them out. And when I say negativity, I mean like when there's a level of messing with the earth. When there's people messing with the earth, that's when elemental spirits tend to come out. Yes. They are another form of guardians. So I mean this little area, I mean, what is New London? Seven thousand and four hundred people or What's the, the population? city is that big. Yeah. But it's actually funny because um, I have a psychiatrist and she has said to me so many times that New London is extremely hard to treat for depression and anxiety. No matter what she does, she'll throw out everything that normally works does not work for people that live in New London. I'm not surprised. I noticed too, not to be offensive, but when I came into the area, I noticed just this level of sort of group, like negative energy that the city tends to have at times, where it's almost like everybody feeds off of each other's lower vibing energy. Yeah, I could see that. So needless to say, it is a lovely small city. I've actually really loved getting to know New London and getting to meet people there and getting to just understand the history. It is an incredible history that unfortunately, I don't think a lot of people know about. No, I don't think it's taught the way it used to be. And it is a beautiful city. Oh, we've got plenty to do. Plenty of parks. We do St. Patty's. Oh, yeah, we got that coming up. Changed the name to New Dublin. It's a fun place. It's a nice place to live, but it's very haunted. And unfortunately, we don't have enough people talking about what's actually going on. Because like you said, Kent, it's kind of like a functional alcoholic. You know what's <laughs> happening, but nobody really wants to talk about it to them. So let us know. Have you had experiences in New London, Wisconsin? Do you live there? Do you agree or disagree with what we have come up with? We have better stories. Oh, yes. We're open to that, too. Absolutely. Feel free to comment on this podcast. You can find us also on Facebook at Paranormal Coffee Hour. As always, keep it weird, keep it wonderful, and keep it woohoo. 